Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. My name is Nathan. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor at City Lines Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And right now we're in a series called Uphill Habits. You know, right now it's January, it's the new year. And I'm sure you've got some aspirations of what you want this year to look like. But often our habits can't get us to where we want to be. You know, we've got these uphill hopes, but downhill habits. So we're going to help you build habits that actually can get you to where you want to go. And I share this concept the last time we met. It actually exists in social science. It's called Keystone Habits. Uh, these are like super habits that if you put them into place, they actually cascade. They have an impact in all other areas of your life. It's like this. Imagine you start going to the gym. Then you start eating better because you're going to the gym. You want better food and then you start getting better sleep. And now your health has overall improved. And last week I introduced a spiritual keystone habit that we're actually going to be practicing together as a church. It's called fasting. Go ahead and say fasting wherever you are, wherever you're watching this. You know, fasting right now, it's all over our culture. It's in diet circles. Maybe you've heard of intermittent fasting. But fasting as, as its origin is actually an ancient spiritual practice. In fact, uh, we learned this last week that fasting is a spiritual discipline where we abstain from physical food for a spiritual purpose. Now, this is why fasting isn't the same as dieting. You see, it's when we get, we're actually giving up physical food, but there's a spiritual reason for it. And when we combine prayer and fasting, it's like a double barrel approach to seeking God and experiencing spiritual breakthrough. So we're actually going to start this church-wide fast uh, this Monday, and we're going to seek God together by doing a 21-day Daniel fast. Now, a Daniel fast is found in the Old Testament where we give up carbs, junk foods, meats, and sweets, and, and really just say, hey, we're going to seek God in prayer. And if you want more information, you can go to citylines.org fast. You can get all sorts of resources about our 21-day fast. There's a devotional in there. We've got resources for kids. Uh, in fact, like, how do you help kids with fasting and, and understanding the principles behind it? And, you know, last week we passed out these special fast cards that you can actually tell us why you're fasting. And I'd love it if you could email me. You can email me at nithin at citylions.org. Uh, that way you can let me know what you're fasting for and I can actually pray with you. And, you know, I'd love to know what that purpose is of your fast. What are you seeking God for spiritual breakthrough? I've talked with a couple people who are saying, Nathan, I'm fasting for a breakthrough in my relationships with family, for infertility, victory over sexual sin, a stronger marriage, the salvation of other people in my life. And over the next 21 days, I want to be praying for you. And so if you could just go ahead and email me, uh, Nathan at citylines.org, what I can do is I will send you a weekly email, go from Monday to Friday during the fast to encourage you, pray for you, to help you grow in that, and even share with you a little bit about what God's teaching me. And listen, there's no one size fits all fast. In fact, I was talking with someone the other day who's like, Nathan, I, I'm going to do the fast, but I'm actually going to keep coffee in because I need the coffee. Or, hey, I'm going to do the fast, but I'm not going to do social media. Hey, it's awesome. I just want to say this. Fasting is a time for spiritual feasting. And so, I want to make sure that you do that. So make sure you go to our website, download our fast devotional, uh, email me so I can add you to our email list to continue to encourage you as you're doing this. And if you happen to be in town January 26th, we're having a special worship night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Bring the family. We're going to seek 
God together. Guys, let the keystone habit of fasting lead you to a spiritual breakthrough in your life today. Now, I want to talk about another keystone habit that will actually not only impact your spiritual life, but it'll also impact your relationships, it'll impact your time management, how you handle work, how you handle home. And in fact, this is one all about managing priorities because I think the greatest threat to your spiritual life, it's not the culture war, it's not politics, it's not even the devil. I mean, he's bad, but there's something even worse. And it's not your atheist uncle, it's something we've all at some point or time have engaged with, and that's this, one word, busyness. That's right, busyness is the most dangerous thing to your spiritual life. It actually keeps you from accomplishing your greatest goals and dreams for your life. I mean, think about it. We start going to the gym, we're running every week, we're eating right, we're we're, we're doing all the things, but then all of a sudden, things start to happen. All these deadlines from work come up, emergencies happen, kids get sick, and then you have to execute all this stuff, but then when you try to get up to go to the gym, you're tired, you don't want to do it, You're up late getting stuff done and you're out early. You get caught up with all these time wasters like, you know, Hulu or Netflix. And then all of a sudden, the most important things you want to do get thrown off. It's what people call the tyranny of the urgent. You ever heard of the tyranny of the urgent? It's when those urgent items take over our lives. And listen, there are times when we just are handling urgent things. It happens. It's part of life. But what happens is when that busyness and that urgency takes over, we are more susceptible to being kind of taken into the ways of the world. And Paul, one of the early church leaders, was talking about that and warning this church in Ephesus when he says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now that word circumspectly means carefully, to actually be intentional about how you live your life. What Paul is saying is you need to be aware of how you live, how you spend your time. You've got to be wise with it because your time is limited. You've got to redeem it because, you know, you can always make a little bit more money. You can always borrow some money, but you can't borrow time. You can't make more time. That's why our time with our kids is so precious and we need to be intentional about how we spend that time. You need to be intentional about how you order your priorities, where you put the best of your energy and your time. Otherwise, you're going to be ruled But every notification, every news alert, every urgent text, whatever WhatsApp group you're in, and it pretty much takes over. And then pretty soon what you think is most important gets left to the side. Uh, Let me show you what I mean. I I want you to imagine this jar here is your life. It's it's what you can focus in on. It's, it's, It's where you have your time and your energy. Now, maybe you're like me, you wake up in the morning and and your phone's your alarm clock. And so you start going through your phone and you're going through your Instagram accounts. And and all of a sudden, all those urgent things, your news alerts are coming up. All of the urgent things are happening and that kind of gets all of your attention. This sand represents the urgent things that are going on. They just kind of come up or it's the time wasters, right? Like, hey, you just binged Cobra Kai. So you're like, all right, we did it, you know, or you you fall into that YouTube hole where you're just watching YouTube and TikTok videos, whatever it is, that ends up taking up a big chunk of your time. But then you have the stuff in your life that's your have-tos. You guys know what I'm saying? Like you've got your job responsibilities, you got to buy the groceries, you've got to pay your bills, oh, your kids' schedules, you got to get them to soccer practice, and all these things are important. Like you need to do them. They, they're, they're what makes life happen. But then... You're like, well, I need to focus on what's really important, my, my priorities. And, and so these are the big rocks. 
Things like, you know, I want to connect with Jesus on a regular basis. Uh, I, 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 I want to use my gifts, my talents meaningfully. Or, you know, I, I want to spend time with my spouse in, in a meaningful relationship with them. Or, you know, I need to, I need to do some self-care because if I don't, I'm, I'm not going to last. And you know what happens? Like, you think you got your life like this. It's this balancing act. Then all of a sudden, something shakes your life up. The urgence starts to come at you. And those big priorities, they're the first ones to go. Someone gets exposed to COVID and all of a sudden, everything kind of falls to the wayside. And the big rocks, the big priorities, what's most important, goes away. Where are your real priorities? We can be so susceptible to being pulled into the tyranny of the urgent and have the culture influence us and infiltrate us. It pulls you away from your family, pulls you away from your values and what you really want to anchor your life to, ultimately, to Jesus. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, you don't want to be pulled into this world. This culture of busyness and reactivity, which eventually leads to spiritual darkness, we need to stay connected to our true north. And as I said, for Christ followers, that's Jesus. And Jesus knows how hard this can be. In fact, Jesus is actually instructing his disciples how to stay connected to him in John chapter 15. In fact, that's where we're going to go and kind of take a look here. In this story, Jesus uses this metaphor of God as a gardener. Hey, quick question. How many of you love gardening? Yeah, some of you do. I, on the other hand, like I have a black thumb. Some of you have a green thumb. You know, I was on Instagram the other day and a friend of mine posted this picture. This really kind of sums up my gardening ability. She wrote, this poinsettia plant looks nice on our front stoop. Three days later, it's dead. And then she writes, follow me for more gardening tips and tricks. So if you want to know how to kill plants in ways where they suffer for long periods of time and go through time without food or water, I'm your guy. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the plant torturer here. <laughs> but I'm glad that God is a better gardener than I am. And so when Jesus breaks this down, he says this. He says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In this teaching, Jesus is talking about how God is the gardener and Jesus is the true vine. And the fruitful branches, unlike this poinsettia, are pruned. In Greek, the word for prune can also mean clean. Jesus goes on to say this. If the branches are clean, it says you already are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. See, when we've responded to Jesus and start to follow him, we are made clean. We've been forgiven of our sin and he's made us new. And our response to what Jesus has done is this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got one job. Stay connected to the vine. Remain in Christ. Some translations use the word abide. If you don't abide in me, you bear no fruit. The word remain or abide is used 10 times in this passage. In fact, we will see it some more as we keep reading. It's the Greek word meno. Say, go ahead, say meno right now. Meno. It means live in, reside, be anchored to, to, to dwell in, like being in a house. The idea is that we are to be tethered and tied to Jesus. And here's the result. Jesus brings all this home when he says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to bear fruit, 
You have to remain in me. What is this fruit? Later on, the passage tells us it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace. It's the fruit of being a non-anxious presence in a world that is in constant turmoil, fragmentation, and anxiety. That fruit comes from someone who has been in the presence of God, marinating in that presence. And that presence is something that you bring into the world around you. You bring it to work. You bring it to school. You bring it to your family. But there are consequences if we don't remain. Jesus said, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Essentially what Jesus is saying is this, if you don't stay connected to me, you're useless. If you don't stay connected to me, you don't have the power you need to live the life that I've called you and commanded you to live. And we end up removing ourselves. We end up being consumed by the cares and the anxieties and the power plays of this world. So your job, my job, remain. Remain connected to Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we set up a keystone habit that keeps connecting to Jesus as our ultimate priority? Well, I want to share something, teach you something that's going to make a huge difference. And it's this. I want to teach you how to craft a rule of life. Maybe you've heard of the book, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, where Pete Scazzaro defines what a rule of life is. He says, a rule of life is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. You know, often I think when we think of rules, we think of things like the law or a to-do list. You must do this, you must not do that. But that's not what a rule is here. The rule actually comes from the Greek word, which means trellis. And a trellis is a structure that helps plants grow, specifically grapes. The way that a vine can find a place to kind of climb. And so if you you own a vineyard, you've seen trellises because that's where all the grapes are. The grapes are able to be above the ground so they're not eaten by jackals or bunnies. And they're able to grow and thrive. They're in the sun. So a rule of life, it's a framework. It's a way to make sure your big rocks don't get lost in the shuffle of things. It's a way for you to make sure that you're putting what's most important in front of you at all times. You know, there are a lot of great resources for how to create a a rule of life. I recommend Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Cixero. But I thought, why don't we actually spend a little bit of time crafting a rule of life together? You ready? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hit the pause button and find a blank piece of paper. Go ahead, I'll wait, get a blank piece of paper, and we'll talk about it from there. You got one? Awesome. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your pen, or I got a marker here, happy little marker, do a little Bob Ross painting here. Why don't you go ahead and make a happy little line right here, right, right divide the page right here, right there, just like that. Perfect. Happy little line. Then make a little uh, horizontal line right here, like a little, like a, you got a little T going on here. Perfect. Now, what I want you to do is in this quadrant right here, I want you to write the word prayer. P-R-A-Y-E-R. Prayer. In this next column, I want you to write the word rest. That's R-E-S-T. In this next quadrant, write the word work. W-O-R-K. Work. Maybe you want to write activity if that doesn't quite fit. And then finally, the word relationships. This might be a tougher one, R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S, oh, going to have to go to another line here, H-I-P, well, relationships. See guys, we don't edit out the mistakes here, we just keep going. (laughs) So under prayer, think about things in your life that keep you connected spiritually to God. For instance, I would put under here scripture. 
maybe reading the Bible, um, memorizing scripture, a Bible reading plan. Uh, these are all things that would fit here. In fact, we're going to talk about reading the Bible in a couple weeks, so we're not going to go into it too deeply here. But maybe you've got small kids and, you know, you, you want to meet with some moms maybe later in the night, maybe over Zoom to kind of talk about the day and to pray with one another. That's what would go under here. So scripture, um, maybe prayer, maybe spiritual disciplines like fasting, which we're going to do together. Uh, some people like silence and solitude. But this would all the things that keep you connected to Jesus. Spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines right now. Uh, or maybe you're in college and you want to make it a priority to go to crew or fellowship of Christian athletes or a Bible study. Or maybe you download a Bible app where you can listen to scripture because maybe you don't have time to read it today. Whatever it is, this would all go under this category, prayer. The next category we have is rest or self-care. Something you can put here is how do you take care of yourself? How do you recharge your batteries? And so, you know, one way that the church has done this for years is through Sabbath. And in fact, uh, Brandon Rathbun's going to talk about Sabbath next week. But what gives you life? What recreates you? Maybe it's reading or running or hunting. Whatever it is that replenishes your energy, it could be sleep. You know, nothing is better than an afternoon nap. Or maybe you have a to-not list. You ever heard of a to-not list? So there's a to-do list, but then there's also a to-not list. You actually have things on your to-not list that, hey, I'm resting right now, so I'm not going to do things that count as work. They are going to burn me out. Now, what's challenging about this is if you have small kids and maybe one of you stays home when you're the primary caregiver with a kid, how do you experience um, rest? Maybe that's where there's a conversation between you and your spouse where one of you will take the kids so that you can go and have a nap, go out with friends, or simply have some alone time. Or maybe it's giving yourself permission to say no to late night hangouts with friends so you can have that alone time to recharge where you shut your phone off so you don't have any FOMO. It could even be making intentional time to partake in a hobby that maybe you're like, you know what, I don't want to get into photography. It's going to take too much time. I've got stuff going on with my family, but yet it's taking that time to replenish. In fact, I would encourage you to turn off your phone and your notifications so you can experience rest. Then down here is work. This is anything that you consider as work. This could be, you know, your, your job responsibilities. So, you know, whatever you're doing for your nine to five, it could even be parenting because at times that can be that way. Or maybe there's things that you do that give you life, like serving. Serving on a Sunday morning on a team can be something that gives you life, that gives you joy because you're using your spiritual gifts with other people for something that's bigger than that. It could be your nine to five. Maybe it's your actual job you get such joy in. Or this could even be serving, again, at church on Sunday where you attend one service with the kids, or, you know, or, and then you serve at another one. Uh, being on a board of a nonprofit that's doing meaningful work in the community. Uh, whatever it may be, even things like cleaning your house, or these are all the have-tos. These are all the things that you, know, you don't love to do, but you have to do them. They all fit in here. And the final category is relationships. Uh, this is where you put the people in your life. Usually, this is your spouse, your family, those in the community, but you're actually making intentional time and space for friendships. So I would say you want to make time to be with friends. Maybe you've got a group of friends that you play some board games with or you go for a run, whatever it may be. It could be a, a mentor or a coach um, or even your accountability group, whatever it is. Are you making space for relationships 
that are life-giving. Obviously, you want to put your spouse in there, and maybe it's a schedule of a weekly coffee with a lat lunch or mentor, or even a city group. Maybe this is the year that you're going to get into a city group where you can actually invest in other people. But here's the thing. Everyone's rule of life is different. For some of you, gardening is going to be a thing that's restful. For others of us, gardening is work that we have to do so that our, you know, our life, our houses can stay nice, you know, but you're a poinsettia killer. So this is work. You got to work extra hard at this, right? But for some of you, you're like, yeah, man, gardening, it recharges my batteries. So here's your homework. This week, before you get into your city group, I want you to finish filling out your rule of life. Put, put the different things in there. You don't have to slot them in any words. Throw these things in there. And then when you get into your city group, you can share with them what's on your rule of life. And actually what you'll find is once you start to put your rule of life together, once you actually begin to maybe put it somewhere where you see it, you actually see that your rule of life helps you get back to Jesus. You know, Parker Palmer, uh, he tells this incredible story uh, about winter in the Midwest. He said, snowstorms in the, in the Midwest are so terrible, it's like blinding. Like you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's a complete whiteout. And oftentimes, farmers who had to go and do farm work in their barns would not find their way back home because of the snow and would often be found a couple feet away from their front door, frozen to death. Because of this, they developed what's called blizzard lines. So they developed these blizzard lines so it would, it would be tied from the, the farmer's front door to the barn. And so they'd literally take these lines, they'd follow them to the barn, milk the cows, and then come back. And that's how they would find their way back home. In the same way, that's what a rule of life does. When you find yourself lost, when you find yourself disconnected from God, others, people, what you can do is you can grab your rule of life. It helps you find your way back home because you know what the priorities are. And when you start doing those first, everything else finds its place. So actually what starts to happen is this. If, if your life, again, is like this jar, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to make sure I put the big rocks in first. So you're going to put your time with God in first. You're going to put uh, rest and self-care in there as well. And not only that, you're also going to say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I have meaningful work and service so I can serve and use my gifts. And then I'm going to make sure that I'm spending time with my spouse, good friends, a mentor, a counselor. I'm being invested in that way. And then you've got the normal business of life. Life's going to happen. Schedules and time crunches and deadlines and work and jobs and all those things, those are all going to be part of life. Paying bills, groceries, all that stuff. But you've built a foundation on what's most important. So when the urgent comes, when the crisis comes, when social media kind of takes over, when all the urgent text messages and notifications and news alerts comes, what do you notice? This structure is now more stable. Your life is more stable because you said, I'm going to prioritize what's important. My rule of life will come first. And all this other stuff, it'll find its spot. It finds its place. So when life starts to shake us, guess what? We're able to stand strong because we focused on our priorities. Can I ask a question, guys? What's your life look like at this point? Is it, is it like this jar or is it more like this jar? where things are barely being together. I want to end by just taking a couple minutes, and I want you to take a look at these questions here. These were actually from a sermon given by a friend of mine on the rule of life. His name's Rich Velotis, but these are really helpful questions that I think will help us think through 
our own rule of life, what we want to add. First one is, what are the spiritual disciplines you need to cultivate? What are the practices of self-care you need to attend to your body and your soul? Uh, what core relationships do you need to support you on your journey? And this final one is this. What are the gifts, passions, burdens within, the things inside you that God wants you to express for the blessings of others? Maybe it's to write a book or start a podcast or do something where, you, where you're actually using your gifts and talents for something beyond you. I want you to go ahead and do your rule of life. And as you're doing it, as you're filling those things out, let it speak to you. And let them, put them in front of you. Let them be the priorities of your year. So when the urgent comes, and it's going to come, you'll be able to stand no matter what. Guys, let me pray for you, and I'll let you go. Holy Spirit, thank you so much that you have given us the big rocks. You've given us a way to stay connected to you. I want to pray for those who are watching this. As they're putting together their rule of life, as they're crafting their rule, would you give them courage? Would you give them uh, creativity as they're developing? And God, more than anything else, would you help them to live it out, to walk in it? I pray that we can be transformed by the doing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time for part three of our series, Uphill Habits. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching today's message. I hope it spoke to you and it inspired you. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. That way you can stay up to date in all of our latest messages here at City Alliance Church. And if you want to partner with us to take the gospel here, there, and everywhere, go ahead and hit the give button. Your faithful tithes and offerings help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.